Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name's Andy Dean, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Today is the third and final podcast with Chelsea Mazzara. I actually owe Chelsea an apology because on the previous two podcasts with her, I introduced her by her maiden name. So I'm sorry about that, Chelsea. Anyway, so today we have Chelsea Mazzara, who is a senior primary therapist at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health's Child and Adolescent Program in Hamilton. In this one, she and I discuss how to increase the feeling of psychological safety in your home, which really translates into how you can help make your kids feel more comfortable talking with you. Now that we've talked about the six levels of validation, I guess I'm wondering if there are other barriers that you think might contribute to a family not being able to communicate effectively. I think something that's really important to talk about is psychological safety and how we can create a more psychologically safe environment for our children in our home to feel comfortable having these difficult but important discussions. So when you say psychological safety, I guess I'm just wondering if you can explain what that is a little bit more, or is it just pretty self-explanatory? Is it feeling safe enough to have conversations with, in this case, your parents or your family or your friends or whoever? I think psychological safety is speaking to how we can create an environment where every family member feels as though they have a voice and with that voice, they can find comfort admitting when they've made a mistake, that it's okay and it's encouraged to learn from failure and learn from those mistakes, creating an environment where everyone openly shares ideas that they have, and how that allows or opens up a space for people to really shine and, and really be the people that they're supposed to be because they feel as though they have that support, they have that safety to do so. Because if you're not able to do that in your own home, how are you going to be able to translate that outside in your school environment, in your social environment with friends? Mm-hmm the message in your home? You know, is the message in your home that we are open about our feelings and we share them with each other? Is the message that we are not open about our feelings and we kind of keep close to the vest? Mm -hmm. Um, Is the message that it's shameful to share how you're feeling and you should just kind of have a stiff upper lip with it, um, you know, and be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Like, what is the message and figure out, like, within your family system, like, what does it look like? What are, you know, what are the messages? Because early on, these messages we receive are going to be what molds us into the communicator that we are. So if you know that maybe a child or a teen growing up received the message that you keep your emotions close to the vest and it's not okay or it's frowned upon to talk openly about how you feel, then you're not going to be able to jump into those really difficult, needed conversations because at that point, maybe your teen isn't feeling confident, safe, trusting to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's really this idea of feeling free to express whatever ideas you're having or feeling free enough to a certain degree to be able to make mistakes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think... The reason why we want to have this discussion about why the messages that we're sending to our kids is important is because oftentimes in therapy, what we try to work on are essentially repairing these messages that we feel that we've soaked up 
as we were growing up or even after that. For example, in cognitive behavioral therapy, it's called core beliefs, right? So I may have the core belief that I'm not lovable or I'm not competent or maybe that something is wrong with me. And we're targeting these core beliefs because they sort of seep into our everyday thought process and our everyday decision making, right? If I feel like I'm not lovable because maybe of messages that I've that I've gotten or or the way that I've interpreted certain things, that's going to have a real consequence on how I interact with other people. You know, I could be extremely anxious to interact with other people because I think they're not going to like me or I could be really angry with other people because I assume that they're not going to like me. And so I just kind of push them away. So I think in my mind, that's what the importance is here in terms of talking about this psychological safety and the messages that we're sending to um, the messages that we send to our kids every day. And I think that for a parent who finds that they're struggling to have those deeper more difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. I think it it takes some insight and some reflection to think about what was your childhood like? What messages did you receive as as a young kid growing up and and talking about your feelings? Was it welcomed? Was it something that you were encouraged to do? Mm -hmm. Was it something that you were told um, was kind of forbidden or something that wasn't really accepted or acknowledged? Did you find that you were receiving the messages that you had to have that stiff upper lip or pulling yourself up by your bootstraps mentality and that it was a sign of weakness? So I think that that, that's important because unknowingly, maybe we've passed that message along to our own kids and in our own family without realizing that. And now we're kind of sitting here, you know, trying to piece together, like, why doesn't my kid want to talk to me? You know, Mm -hmm. is it because they don't love me? Is it because they don't trust me? Are they angry with me? Maybe it's unconscious for them. Maybe it's a message that they received from our own behaviors and what we've reinforced in Mm -hmm. their lives and how we've shaped them, just like how we were shaped, that they don't even maybe understand quite the reason why they're not opening up or that they don't maybe know how they're feeling. That happens a lot with teens. They don't even know how they're feeling because maybe they've never actually sat down and thought about it and taken a second to really, you know, sit with a feeling or think about what am you know, what am I feeling in this moment? Mm-hmm. It all kind of creates this tornado, I guess, effect that you feel like you're on this merry-go-round and can't get off. And like, how do I get my kid to want to talk to me? All right. So now that we talked about all that, Tell me more about this idea of psychological safety and how we can sort of be building this idea into our home environments with our kids. So I think some more simple concepts of how to increase that safety in the home is number one, and I know we've mentioned this before, modeling, you know, Mm -hmm. lead by example. You want to make sure that your actions match your word. So you know, if we're trying to teach our teens about integrity and being accountable and being responsible and how important it is to make the time to schedule, to have these conversations, to have these important conversations, you know, show that you're wanting to set aside time, you know, each day, 15 minutes of, of just trying to, you know, kind of check in and see, you know, how their day is. Sometimes parents might believe in this idea of, 
you know, modeling behavior for emotional expression or that it's important to express emotions. And then maybe you don't have like those daily check-ins again, just like 15 minutes. Hey, how was your day? Like, what was the best part? What, what was uh, difficult? What was challenging? You know, what are your plans for tomorrow? Just to kind of like have those check-ins and show that it's important for you that you want to hear from them every day. And you want to hear genuinely like how their day was. And, and mind you, Sometimes you might not be interested. We're, we're human. There might be days where you have to act interested and that's okay too. But I think it shows that you, you care enough to make the effort. So if we were to think of this in terms of different tips to increase the psychological safety in your home, the first one would be set aside some time every day to just give your child the opportunity to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe even referencing the last podcast we did about like how to show that you're listening. Right. We talked a lot about reflective listening as, as one of the the steps in validation that you can focus on. And, you know, I think bringing it back to that, like how important it is not only to show that you're wanting to check in and modeling how important that is, but that you reflect back, you know, what they're actually saying. So if they said that they had, you know, a tough day because they failed their math test and you're not really paying attention, you're like, wow, that sounds great. And they're, you know, left thinking, wait, what? <laughs> where are you? Where are you? And it's, we've all done it where you're just not quite present because of stress and we got so many other things like going on. Mm-hmm. However, like it's important, you know, in those 15 minutes, take those 15 minutes to really attend to, you know, that relationship. Mm-hmm. And and I think I, I want to also add in here that if you find it difficult to have the more lighthearted, easy conversations, mm-hmm. You can't expect to be able to have the important, difficult, challenging, vulnerable conversations. And what I mean by that is if you find yourself um, struggling just to have those casual like 15 minute check ins, then I think it's okay to kind of build up to that, you know, build up to the 15 minutes by doing activities uh, like, you know, I'm thinking of activities I might encourage my parents to do. Sometimes I say, get like a mason jar or a a bucket um, with popsicle sticks or pieces of paper and on the slips of paper, you know, write down funny, lighthearted questions. Would you rather questions if you had a thousand or a million dollars, you know, whatever it is and put them in a bowl and during dinner or after dinner, um, taking, you know, like a couple minutes every night, everyone pick one question Mm -hmm. and then just kind of, you know, sit there and talk about it without judgment. Just like have that time, that space to practice being able to have like those lighthearted, fun conversations. Because again, if you're going to expect to just kind of go right into these more difficult, challenging ones, it's just not going to happen. You know, it's it's not going to feel successful. It's not going to feel sustainable. Yeah. It's funny as you're saying that I'm sitting here thinking about my daughter who's four at the moment, but one of our favorite games to play is hypothetical questions. She (laughs) just found out what that was like, I don't know, a a few weeks ago or whatever. So one of the last ones that she just threw at me was, would you rather eat a swing set or a pine tree covered in hot sauce? So there you go. (laughs) 
but but I think that that but again she I know I happen to know you know your daughter's young uh -huh. so you're kind of modeling right like that importance of having that family time or time with dad or separate time with mom and then time together it, it's so important to start when they're young and if not it's never too late to start so don't feel discouraged you can start it now you can start it tomorrow um well my thought and, process I have to say Chelsea wasn't that deep it's more about right now <laughs> trying to find ways mm -hmm. to entertain her while we're all locked down during COVID oh yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of different uh, factors at play here. When you said covered in covered in hot sauce, I was like, all right, that seems a little outside the box there. <laughs> However, it sounds like it's a it's a twofer though, you know, because you're also twofer. you're you're modeling, you know. Well, great, thanks. You're making me feel good. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm here to do, Andy. I'm here to, <laughs> I'm, here to I'm here to boost your boost your confidence. Um, all right. So if we think about again, this idea of psychological safety, do you have any other tips in terms of like maybe how to increase that at home, that, that feeling of psych being psychologically safe? I would say number two would be something we discussed during a previous podcast about validation. Mm -hmm. I think now that you've kind of set up this expectation that you're going to be doing these check-ins, really trying to focus on how you can validate both verbally, non-verbally, you know, with your body language, um, with nodding your head, um, saying things like, oh, that makes a lot of sense to me or reflecting back. Wow. I, I, that makes sense that you're feeling so upset that you failed your math test. I know you were trying to work really hard studying last night. Um, really just, you know, trying to show that you're engaged and that you're coming from a place of understanding, I think would be, would be the second one. Um, because that's going to increase the likelihood that they feel like they can come back to you time and time again, when they feel like you're the cheerleader or that you're in their corner. Yeah. Um, does it mean you always have to agree? Absolutely not that we talked about how that's the beauty of validation. However, you know, let's go back to the feeling, not the behavior. Mm -hmm. So one really kind of builds on the other. So having sort of that space to have a conversation, but then you can make that even better, so to speak, by when that conversation happens, working on those validation skills to make them feel like they're really being heard. Exactly. Exactly. I think the third thing we want to also kind of throw in here is really having the self-awareness to know the messages that you're putting out there, how you're shaping their behavior, how your behavior was shaped when you were a child about emotional expression and being aware of, you know, judgments we might hold, biases we might hold that we're not aware of, um, you know, while our teen is talking and, and being mindful of that, you know, by me saying this one thing, um, is that going to make them feel supported or is that going to make them feel like they don't want to come and talk to me? And what I mean by that is if your teen comes to you with a mistake that they made that they're feeling really guilty and shameful about, and the way that I address it is by further shaming them mm -hmm. and saying to them, well, why would you do that? That makes no sense. Use your head. That Those kind of messages can can foster, you know, a, a teen that, or rather foster an environment where a teen doesn't feel safe to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. if, if the message is that I can't make mistakes. And if I do make mistakes, you know, I, I better not talk about them because I know that I'm going to be shamed or be given the guilt trip, you know, and, and that's not to say that we can't have a discussion about more effective ways of responding in the environment, you know, so it's not, I, I sometimes get from parents, oh, so they should just be able to do whatever they want. It's like, no, 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 not at all. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's all about how we say it. And if the goal, if the, if the end goal is for them to want to come to me, to tell me when they've made a mistake, so I can help 
provide feedback and help them critically think and, and connect the dots on problem solving, then I have to make sure they understand it's okay to make mistakes and that that it's encouraged that if they are making a mistake, they know that they can come and talk about it, that we can talk it through, we can process it, and we can figure out what's a better way for you to handle this. Mm -hmm. The better way might be that they have to get a consequence. You know, maybe it's mm -hmm. a serious offense where, you know, we're trying to help them, you know, respond differently for, for what they're doing. And we provide the feedback and support in that. And we also provide feedback or support rather in giving them a consequence. So, you know, it doesn't mean it's this rainbow of, oh, they come to me, I tell them, you know, oh, that makes sense. Okay, you made a mistake. You, you know, lit the car on fire. Oh, and not a big deal. Like next time, we'll, we'll just respond differently. No, obviously. Look, Chelsea, not everything has to be about your childhood. Okay. <laughs> right, I'm pulling. I'm pulling deep down from the uh, from the noggin here. Uh -huh. um, but uh, you know, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm using a, a not a silly example, but you know, maybe an example not everyone goes through. However, <laughs> uh -huh. leading back to the goal of you know, we're not saying like, oh, it's okay. We're we're trying to trying to create an environment that fosters that mistakes are okay to to do, and that you know, if you do make a mistake, let's talk about it. Don't hide it from me because we don't want to we don't want to encourage lying. And have them know that, you know, like when we're talking about the mistake and, and working through it, you know, it might lead to a consequence. And that's also part of building, you know, the skill set of learning to be accountable and learning, you know, that even though we make mistakes, we have to, there's negative and positive consequences to every choice we make in life. Mm -hmm. And that, that's kind of, again, creating the message that we want them to understand before they get into adulthood, mm -hmm. where higher stakes, you know, much higher stakes when you're, you know, 18 and above versus, you know, 12 to, to 17, when you're learning how to be an adult. So having a conversation with them, trying to watch it with further shaming them or making them feel bad about it, especially if they already do feel bad about it. And they still need to get a consequence for that. Yeah, and because I, I think that also builds and sorry to interrupt you, Andy. I, no, just, sorry. I, I think, you know, what also builds psychological safety is a child or teen understanding that there are expectations, that mm -hmm. there are limits, that there are um, going to be consequences to a, a, a behavior mm -hmm. um, if they make a major offense or yeah. even a mild offense, you know, offense, whatever the expectations are in your home. But lack of consequences and lack of expectations is not going to create psychological safety. It's going to actually increase anxiety because the teen or the child doesn't really know where the line is. You know, yeah. they don't know if they they've crossed the line because they don't know what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. I think that piece can be confusing for parents when we're trying to figure out how to implement appropriate consequences to certain behaviors or, you know, setting expectations. We do it out of love. You know, we do it out of wanting them to understand that just like when you're a teen or when you're a child, there are going to be consequences, both positive and negative to behaviors. It, it's the same way, you know, when you're an adult and, you know, we know that. It's a great point. And again, it's it's sort of this, it's another dichotomy or, or another dialectic, as you might say, Chelsea, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because you want them to, this idea of boundaries and consequences, Number one, they need consequences, like I said, to become fully formed adults and to understand that their actions have consequences, uh, but also that they kids need structure and they need boundaries and they need consequences to have a sense of security and a sense of safety. So 
this all plays into it just as much as, you know, making them feel heard when they're talking and validating them. I I do think that at times people can say, oh, so they never get consequences. That really is not what we're advocating for at all. It's actually the complete opposite. They, they definitely need consequences. I think we're just talking about sort of the language that you use when you're talking mm-hmm. to them about the decision that they made, just watching how you address whatever the issue is and, and trying to not make it further shaming. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like, how am I not even reacting, but how am I responding? Because mindfulness, when we use those core mindfulness skills of really being aware of what's going on inside us <laughs> when we're hearing, you know, certain things we are allowed or we're able to rather respond versus become reactive, which includes no mindfulness. <laughs> you know, we're not <laughs> yeah. being mindful at all. We're just kind of acting on our urges and our emotion, our intense emotion. So yeah, I, I, I agree. And that's another point. I, I just want to bring it back to um, like this number three was uh, of yours was to be self-aware Right? Is that what it was? Be self-aware? Mm-hmm. You're yeah. about self-awareness. And actually, where I thought you were going with that, and correct me if, if you don't think this is a good tip, but I was thinking more along the lines of doing your own work in terms of trying to be mindful of where you are in terms of your own emotional state whenever you are having a conversation with them. You know, how was your mm-hmm. day? Are you feeling really stressed out? Are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling irritable? Right. That's such a good point, Andy. You know, taking stock of what your emotional state is like before you have a conversation with them. Because if you can just take a second to step back and say, oh, wow, I, I really noticed that right now I'm feeling a little more agitated than usual, probably because of that conversation I had with my boss today. Even just having that awareness that that might be going on with you in, in that moment could give you the opportunity to shift the way that you you could possibly come across. Right. And I think it goes back to the modeling. Yeah, you know? yeah, so we can't exactly. expect these things from them if we're not doing them mm-hmm. ourselves. Like mm-hmm. That's how they learn. Sure. All right, Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I've had a lot of fun and really appreciate you bringing all this information on uh, to the podcast here. Yeah, this was great, Andy. All right, hope you guys enjoyed that one and found it helpful. Next week's podcast will feature Christy Champion, and she and I are going to be discussing how we as parents can help manage our own guilty feelings, especially during coronavirus. So thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week.